What's up, guys, and welcome to the week three of All Fanatics show. I'm Michael, and we got Skylar over here. Skylar, how you doing? Dude, we are, uh, I'll be honest, we've been better, but we're doing just fine. How you doing? You know, I I, I was kind of like you. I, I had a chance to sleep it off last night. I, I wasn't super upset yesterday, but I was a little bit discouraged. Um, but after I slept it off tonight, I, I got a little bit better perspective uh, going into today. Let's just get straight into the game because everybody knows. All right, let's let's talk about let's talk about the Vols and, and the Govs. All right, and uh, I I do want to hear what you have to think about it. I was there at the game. I do feel like I have a whole another like perspective on it. But uh, just let me know what your your thoughts were. Kind of give me the rundown. What did you feel about the game? All right. Well, but before we get into the game, I do have you know a little bit of a rant I want to go on, and I I truly hope this is the last time we have to talk about this on this show. The, the first part of it we hadn't talked about yet, but I am really, really frustrated with a lot of media members, and I hate to call people out, but Jordan Rogers and Tim Tebow are two of them. I love watching those guys on SC Nation, but them, along with a lot of other media members, are going in and just constantly have this, this idea that Joe Milton lost the starting quarterback job to Hendon Hooker. That is totally not true. He, he got hurt in game two of 2021. And Hooker went in, and Hooker did the job. And when Hooker was healthy, I mean, when uh, Milton was healthy, Hooker at that point had finally gotten confidence, and the team was playing well under them, or, or under Hooker. Yeah, you don't fix what's broken, right? Like, like, Hooker came in and did the job, didn't make any mistakes, so he kind of won the team over that way. It wasn't like, like what you're saying. It's not like Joe Milton lost the job. Exactly. And, and like you said, you're not going to fix something that isn't broken. And then last year, it was clear Hooker was still the guy. So I, I don't care what anybody says. Milton did not lose the job. It was just the situation that came up. I, I, I will agree to this point because I know you got more to say than that. I'm agree to that point, but I'm also going to sort of disagree. Uh, okay. Because in the first two games, ironically enough, Kind of started out the way yesterday's game went, where Joe Milton's just just not accurate with the football, um, and so I think you already had that speculation of, oh my God, let's see the other guy because this is getting old. We, I mean, think about the uh, the opening game and then the the game against Pitt where we had like two guys, maybe even three guys in the first quarter wide open. They beat their man and over, you know, overthrow Joe. That's where he got the nickname. So, I mean, right. by all means, he didn't play perfect, but I think I do agree with you because of how he practices. I don't know if he necessarily lost the job, but Hooker, he did exactly what he needed to do. He took advantage of the opportunity, and he never looked back. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, but but also, and I, I've heard this from multiple people, so going into that 2021 season, Hooker did a better job in the offseason of running the offense. But the reason that Joe got the start was because the ceiling with Joe under center that first year was Tennessee going nine and three. So they, they saw the potential in Joe, but you know, circumstances happen, things happen. And now here we are. Yeah. But the, the other thing that I have, this is the last time I hope we have to talk about this on the show. Vols fans. We do not want Nico to be starter. I, you wouldn't believe the amount of all I saw this past. Saying, well, 
Heifel said that we're not going to redshirt uh, Nico this year, so does that mean we're just starting Joe until Nico gets enough time and is ready? Balls fans, we don't want that. If Nico is your starter, that means things have gone drastically wrong this season. Joe struggled yesterday. He struggled some in game one. He's going to get it figured out, guys. And if he doesn't, I'll eat my word. But Joe is the guy we don't want Nico yet. He is a true freshman. I, I mean, I, I I understand. I'm excited to see him play. He is a five-star, the highest recruit that we have had since Peyton Manning. But, guys, he's not ready yet. Yep. That, that's it? That's all your takeaways from the game? No, that, that was just from this past week. No, yeah, yesterday, yesterday's takeaways, and I, I'll keep it short and sweet because I, I put I put a lot of time just from ranting this past week. Yep. Um, I, I take away yesterday as a positive, and maybe it's just me being a crazy ball fan, but yeah. how many games last year did Tennessee truly play bad? Just one, right? South Carolina? Yep. I really think this is the one game this year Tennessee plays bad. And the fact that it is against Austin P, a team that uh, is basically your little brother in, in the state, you get this game out of the way, and I think that Tennessee is going to take this as a stepping stone to the next level. And I, I personally don't think we see a Tennessee performance like we did yesterday. Yeah. I think they're going to be on top of it this season. I got you. Well, all right. Well – um, real quick, I'm sorry this is in podcast, but TikTok Live, guys, if uh, y'all are watching, yeah, you can't hear Michael. Uh, I encourage you guys to go check out the Spotify or the Apple podcast. That's where you can hear our conversation. This is simply just a side piece to kind of get our show out there to hopefully bring in more listeners. So I apologize about that. Um, as far as the game, I do want to start out by saying last week, you went 14-0 and in your picks, brother. Solid job. Solid job. I went two, I went 12-2. and but I called Duke beating Clemson. That gave me the five bonus points. So officially, after week one, I was in the lead with 17 and two. You were at 14 and 0. Um, this week, uh, we both missed two big games, um, but I missed the Vandy game, unfortunately. Um, so I went 11 and three, and you went 12 and two, which bringing us to our week two records of you are at 26 and two. Nice freaking job, dude. And uh, I'm at 29 and five. So I still got the lead, but really it's just because of that bonus pick of Duke over Clemson, which uh, we both kind of picked that. So I feel a little guilty taking those points. But uh, all right, I want to talk about the Vols. I'm going to talk about the Governors. Yesterday, if we would have done this podcast, I would have probably started crying because I was, I was so mad, dude. But let me tell you how, this, how, the, how the game starts. All right, the game gets delayed 30 minutes after everybody gets in their, their seats and we're literally about 11 minutes away from kickoff. It gets delayed for lightning. It never rained. What did that do? Well, let me tell you what that did. And I'm not saying that Tennessee played flat because of the weather. Let me tell you that right now. All right. But this is what it did. It was the first home game of the season, and there was no national anthem. There was no prayer. There was no running through the tee. They they literally just did away with all of it. I think that right there was – it should have been a sign immediately that, that things may not have been working to – to our, our, our best potential or whatever. But um, I do want to ask you this before I really get into my rant. Why does it feel like when we have a linebacker out for the game, we play like absolute dog water? You know, that right there, I didn't even think about it, but you're right. I mean, Kenyon Pilly, he's he's out. 
And, you know, same thing happened last year with South Carolina. Uh, Jeremy Banks was out, and it was like the world ended. But I I will say this. It's bad luck for the last two years that the linebackers that have been out are the captains of the defense. Because even though Aaron Beasley has been there longer, Keenan Pilly is the captain of that Tennessee defense. Nah, dude, Aaron Beasley's him, bro. Aaron Beasley's him. Come on now. Um, but no, you're I, right. He's a leader. He brought in a lot of veteran experience. He is definitely needed at the linebacker position. All right, with him, we're we're very confident in our depth. Without him, we're we're not so confident in our depth. Elijah Herring's a great linebacker. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not got that experience. And uh, same thing with Arian Carter. Yeah, well, he's a true freshman, so I don't expect him to have any experience. But uh, but no. All right, so offensive struggles. Big deal, like very big deal. My question to you is, um, you know, are these wide receiver drops? I mean, is that is that starting to raise the panic button? I mean, this is getting ridiculous. Now, look, everybody's going to have their opinion. Milton was definitely inaccurate on some throws, and he, he definitely missed on some throws, all right? And that was early in the ball game um, when we were trying to attack down the field. But, I mean, also, after the first couple of drives, Joe was hitting him in the hands. I, I can't really defend Joe on a lot of it if the ball is hitting the guy in the hands. Um, two big drops by the same wide receiver, even though Brew dropped one, so I'm kind of mad at him for one of them. But it was behind him, so I kind of put that one on Joe. But Joe had an amazing play in the first quarter, if you remember, where he kind of got out of the pocket, scrambled to the outside, threw it like a dart to the sideline to Deontay Thornton Jr., the transfer from Oregon. Hits him square in the hands would have been a first down, and he drops it. Yeah, that I mean, was they, frustrating. There was there was a lot of throws yesterday that Milton was throwing a little bit behind his receivers. Very but much, yes. They they were catchable balls, and you know what what is the he missed high that, too. I mean, he missed several high down the middle, which is what I said last week was a problem. Yeah, he he did, but it wasn't as many, at least from what I saw um, from last week, that he missed high. It was a lot more of them that were missed. by Yeah. But, you know, what's the first thing that a coach teaches you? If the ball hits you in the hands, you make the catch. And how many of those balls yesterday hit the receivers in the hands that they dropped? Uh, I think it was four. What I was going to go, I was going to keep on going. Deontay Thornton dropped a slant, which would have been for a touchdown that hit him square in the hands. I mean, look, I get it. Joe didn't have his best game, and he definitely needs to help himself. But this, this wasn't all on him. So I do want to get that out of the way. Um, the offense, yeah, we struggled, but we ran the same 10 plays all day. It, it was literally the most vanilla offensive play calling I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why we feel the need to sacrifice the, the playbook for the eye test, because right now Tennessee does not look good at all to the eye. But I definitely don't think this is the offense we should expect next week. Um, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I don't think we will see this offense next week. Frankly, I think that the offense is going to come out next week and they're going to be world beaters, yep. just my personal opinion. But I do have to defend Deontay Thornton on that slant one. The Austin P defender did get his hand in there and break it up, but you're right, it still hit him in the hands. Yeah. Well, let me let me say this. Austin P. I think we got their best effort from him. And something that the coach did that when he was doing it was pissing me off in the stands, but he did it so right. I don't know if y'all noticed, but if you rewatch the game, Austin P called all three of their timeouts for each half in the first quarter of the half. He wasn't calling it to conserve time. He was calling it to break up our momentum or, or, you know, anytime we got in rhythm, he would call a timeout at the perfect time and it'd piss off everybody in the stands and it would get us all our, 
you know, we allowed that to actually disrupt our offense. So hats off to Austin P. They played a hell of a game. But, you know, as I keep going down my notes here, um, this is not on the referees. The game is not on the referees. But it, you would have had to have been there to see just how bad the officials were. I never thought the fans could get so mad at a referee for an Austin P game, but the intensity of the fans, like the, 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 the raw emotion, it felt like Ole Miss in 2021. I mean, there was people throwing bottles on the field against Austin P. It was that bad, dude. There was so many missed calls that were against Austin P. It was disgusting. It was, it was so bad. It felt like in the third and fourth quarter, it was like every other play, the student section was chant F U ref. Like it was, it was, it was so bad. Smokey, our mascot, literally put on a blindfold and dressed like a referee. I mean, it, he was dancing in the end zone as if like the referees were blind. I mean, it was that comical. It was so bad. But again, this is not on the referees, but it did absolutely disrupt our offense. Like when we got in rhythm and we would get an we would get an offensive pass interference somehow or something stupid. But yet, you know, we we couldn't get that on defense when you know Austin P is draped all over our offensive guys, especially the uh, the kind of 50-50 ball that Joe Milton threw in the back of the end zone. Um, I think it was the third quarter. I can't remember, dude. I was I was so wrapped up in emotion. But, um, I mean, the dude almost looked like he tackled our wide receiver. I think it was Brew. And, uh, you know, there was no call on that. But then Kamal Hyden, it's an underthrown ball, kind of the same way, and he just puts an arm up in the air. And, yeah, he does bump into him. It's an underthrown ball. It's going to happen every time. And, of course, they threw that. But, uh, you know, referees – I'm not worried about it. I don't think we'll ever have that crew again. They should be fired, all of them, left in the dust. Um, but let's talk about some of the good, all right, because that was kind of my rant, all right? I seriously I, think Tennessee has the best running back room in the nation. Absolutely. They are absolutely insane. And, and it's not that – I mean, our offensive line is good. But our offensive line isn't just world beaters out there. It A lot of that is on our running backs. They just see a whole – and they hit it. There's no hesitation. Yes. Our running back room is pretty stacked. I'm pretty sure we led the nation in rushing. Maybe not the nation, maybe the SEC um, in rushing yards yesterday. Um, that was that was freaking awesome. I'll say this. Our defense was amazing. Look, that score, you can kind of say it's both ways. It looks closer than what it was. It, it, it actually looks not as close as what it was. But let me tell you this. Austin P's lone touchdown was because our guy literally got clotheslined by the wide receiver and fell. And of course, there was no offense pass interference on that. Um, but I re- I went and rewatched that play, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Nico Slaughter. My my high, you know, my I thought he would be the dark horse best player of the defense, and he fell, which gave the wide receiver. Wide, I mean, it was wide open. Everybody's seen that play. That was yeah. their only touchdown of the night. Defense really played good once again. I think. Um, I think. Oh, let me let me read you this. We've got 12 and a half tackles. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 and a half tackles. For loss per game, which leads the FBS, we've got five and a half sacks per game, which is tied for the lead in the FBS, which is freaking shocking. Consider North Carolina had nine sacks in their week one game, all right. But we had six sacks just yesterday. Um, we had a turnover. Kamal had made a great play when he finally looked back for the ball. I mean, our defensive backs for some reason need to do that more often. I don't know why we don't. Um, but we also had a fumble, which somehow was turned over on you know during review that it wasn't a fumble. That also pissed off the crowd. We had several turnover on downs. Like our fourth down defense was so good yesterday. It was it was amazing. But 
Um, Aaron Beasley, a beast, just absolutely a beast. He had six tackles for loss alone. And then Kamal, Kamal Haddon, I, I shouted him out in a negative way on TikTok about a week or two ago. Let me, t- let me tell you this. That dude is our best defensive back. He's our most talented defensive back if he can keep his head straight. That's that's what I was going to say. If he can keep his head straight, but also he has a tendency to not turn around for the ball, which is why he got that pass interference penalty early in the game. He never turned around and looked for the ball. And later in the game, he turned around, he looked, and he got himself a pick, and I yelled it was at beautiful. I yelled at the TV, all you got to do is turn around, and you'll get more of those picks. Yep, absolutely. But um, So, I got a name. Tamarian McDonald? He's, he's a dog. He is right up there with Kamal Haddon. He, I loved it when they tried to do the dink and dunks, and, like, our, our safeties and our, our linebackers just, just read it like a book, man. I mean, just blew it up. And, uh, I mean, I think T-Mac – may have been the guy that had the hit, which caused the fumble, and we actually returned it almost all the way back. But I don't know how that got overturned. That was so stupid. Um, sorry. So, I, I didn't see it on TV. I've seen it live, so I get it. I could be completely wrong. But just live, it looked like he had more than two steps and even tried to make a football move, and T-Mac said, no, sir. But he, he, So what is crazy, within a matter of like 20 minutes, my wife and I were watching – uh, the Tennessee game on on the TV, and I was watching Alabama game on my phone, and then it got to halftime of the Tennessee game, so I put the Alabama game on the TV. Yeah. You had the Alabama game first. The same thing happened. Texas wide receiver caught the ball, had enough time to turn and look, and just got lit up. Dropped the ball. Alabama picks it up and starts to take it back. They rule it a fumble at first, and I think it was a scoop and score. They go back and review it and call it an incomplete pass because he didn't make a football move. That's so garbage. It doesn't matter if it's a football move or not. You had possession. You had possession of the ball. You, I'm pretty sure the dude even tucked it, even in the Texas game. He tucked the ball. If yes. That's the rule. If you can catch it and then tuck the ball, I don't care if you can make a cut or not, dude. That's a fumble. You had possession. and then, Exactly. I mean, that's just mm. – even my wife, who she knows some about football just from watching it with me. Yeah. But then she goes, That wasn't incomplete. That's a fumble. He tucked the ball. No. And then 20 minutes later, in the second half of the Tennessee game, the same thing happens. And she was like, What is going on with the referees today? These are fumbles. You want to know what was going on with the referees, bro? They picked them up. They were at the Friday night game. Um, not sure where they were, but they knew that game wasn't nationally televised. So they were like, hey, can y'all, y'all, can y'all fill in this today? You know, we're, we're a little shorthanded. That's all it was, man. Um, but no, overall, uh, I, I do feel like it, le- it leaves a sour taste. Like, I guess all in conclusion, yesterday's game left a sour taste in our mouth as Tennessee fans. It did. And I, I don't think that is anything like what we're going to see going into next week between, between Joe Milton, between the wide receivers, between our play calling. Um, I think it's all going to be completely – I mean, think about it this way. Is that the same offense you watched in the Orange Bowl playing Clemson? I didn't see that offense. It wasn't even close to the same offense. It's the same guys, too. So, I keep that in the back of my mind. Yes, it was 30-13. to 13. It could have been closer. It could have been a lot – definitely a lot bigger of a blowout. But overall, a win is a win. Let's carry this into Gainesville, and uh, let's get that dub. Now, let's look at the Alabama Tech. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Texas. God, look, I do want to say this. I do want to say this before you get 
Texas did exactly what I thought Bama would do, bro. <laughs> they were winning by three and then got the fourth quarter touchdown to put them away. And I just, I really thought that's what Bama would do. But go ahead. All right, let, let, let me say this. So, Alabama really did not play a bad ball game yesterday. They they ran the ball okay. Uh, I mean, when, when you look at it now, they had 35 attempts for 107 yards and 3.1 yards per carry. Not great, but not terrible. Um, they they passed for 255 yards yesterday. Yep. The, and the offensive and defensive lines looked pretty good. The secondary got burned a couple of times. Overall, Alabama played a good enough ball game to win. Here is where I, I get into the part where Alabama loses the ball game. Jalen Milrow is a good quarterback, and he's – all right, he has done a fantastic job so far from what I have seen of trying to make things happen out there, but he's trying to make too much happen. He's I agree. There, there's plays where he probably could tuck it and get five, six yards, and at the last second he'll he'll kind of toss it down the field, and sometimes his receivers just aren't expecting it. They're, they're going ahead and they're turning, getting ready to block, and if he throws the ball downfield whenever he's rolling out like that, He's not very accurate. He he got intercepted twice yesterday on plays just like that. I think if if Milrow trusts his offensive line and sticks in the pocket just a little bit longer, dude has got an amazing arm. I mean, he threw a couple of balls that were just on a dime, including one of his uh, deep touchdown passes. I mean, threw it in a play where only his receiver could get it. So Alabama is almost there. You just need Jalen Milrow to – Kind of trust his offensive line, picking up a little bit. Don't try to force things. That that's the only only negative I have on Alabama right now. Texas just ended up playing a little bit better ball game, and uh, they ended up pulling it out. They got some of the breaks that they needed uh, that Alabama didn't take advantage of. Yeah. So that, that's my notes on the Alabama Texas game. I'm not throwing up a red flag here, saying, uh oh. Alabama's not they're, – they're not the Alabama of old. I, I saw so many posts yesterday. Well, the dynasty is officially dead. No, it's not. I heard that a lot, actually, and and, and I knew I would. I knew as, I would. If Bama lost, I knew we were going to get a lot of those messages. But Yeah, as long as Nick Saban is still the head coach at Alabama, the dynasty is not dead. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he's the greatest coach of all time. I was going to say, the only person that knows when that's over is when Nick Saban says it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, this is coming from a Tennessee fan. I, I I hate saying those words, but you can't deny the facts. He is the greatest coach of all time. And he Alabama will not be done until Nick Saban is done. Yep. So, uh, Milrow, I, th- I think, man, he, he's so up and down. Like you mentioned, he had some great throws, but he also had some stupid throws that led into two big interceptions. He it's almost like he pre-read the game. Like, I don't know if it's just not a read or maybe he just made the wrong read, but he, I mean, he threw it straight to the Texas defender twice. And that's something that they got to they gotta clean up. One thing I'm going to take up for, for Milrose end, dude, their center is struggling. How many, how many highlights have you seen where Milrose had to pick up the ball and then make a play with it? Yeah, he, he's struggling. Um, I, I need to look up and see um, – what he is if he's a freshman or something like that. Yeah. But well, Kate Proctor, I think I know for a fact he's the I think the left tackle there. He is a freshman. I'm not sure the center is, but uh, but no, I think that's one of the big big things. Uh, let me tell you this: 
it's funny because I didn't really get to tune into this game until I was walking to my truck. Uh, it was like a mile long walk from Neyland. And it was a very much defensive game. I think it was like 13 to nine. And then it was just like haymaker after haymaker. Like I, I kind of question if I should have even tuned into the game. But when I was watching the game, I mean, it looked like Hyatt was playing for the Texas Longhorns. I mean, it was just every other freaking drive that Texas had, there was a dude beating a defender. I mean, it was it was crazy, man. And that's something that I, I know Bama fans had flashbacks like, oh, my God, my defense, you know, the defensive back group is – and we heard good things all offseason. The true freshman that came in as a defensive back, is, you know, immediately – and he is good, don't get me wrong. But you you probably had hopes that that would get cleaned up, and it is the second week of the season. I get that, but you played a damn good team in the second week of the season. You can't have those type of mistakes. So um, let me say this: Bama still controls their destiny. So if if the if the fans are saying, "Oh, it's over," okay, those were never fans to begin with; those were bandwagoners. Um, they absolutely can win everything that they their their goals were. You know, at the beginning of the season, they lost to Texas. It doesn't hurt them. They can still win the SEC. They can still go to the playoff, and 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 that's something that they control, though. So it's up to them. But that's my overall thoughts of that game. Um, definitely surprised me, especially Texas coming into T-Town. But they pulled it off, and uh, massive respect to Texas. Now, what I want to see from Texas, I know this is not, you know, this is an SEC pod, but what I want to see from Texas is I want them to carry that momentum and not fall off at the end of the season like they tend to do. Kind of like Texas A&M. It must be a Texas thing. It must be, like, related. They they start out hot and then kind of cool off at the end of the year. I don't want to see that from Texas. They better carry it on. I agree. So Speaking of this, let, let's just stay. <laughs> let's go on to A&M, why don't we? Yeah, let, let's talk about Texas A&M. What the hell are we doing, Jimbo? <laughs> All right, let, let, let me say this. Texas A&M's offense, they looked pretty decent yesterday. I I, I thought that they looked good. Um their defense didn't – they didn't show up the way that I've seen Texas A&M defense in the past. Um, and, but really, now that I'm looking at the stats, the offensive part of it, it was pretty much just uh, Connor Wegman and Evan Stewart. I mean – Yep. Evan what about Deanna Smith? I didn't watch the game, but did he get injured? I mean, the dude had three receptions, 27 yards. And that's like their number one. Now, I get it, Evan Stewart's really good. But, like, Deanna Smith was talking the town all season, all offseason. He he could have gotten hurt. I was going back and forth between this game and the Ole Miss game. Yeah, so. I really encourage an Indian fan, if he got hurt, please let us know because that that's unacceptable. That's one of your best guys, and he only got the ball three times. That is insane. So, yeah. um, But I, I'll say this even more. A&M's rushing attack was bad. It, it was. It was um, terrible. Um, it, and I didn't need to watch the game to see that they're – I mean, they only had like 80 yards rushing. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, if they could get more of a balanced attack, that would really help out this offense. Yep. But you look at the stats, other than the rushing stats, I mean, it, it's pretty even across the board. And really, it's even between both teams. You, um, well, there's a bit, there's a big stat that's that, you know, that, that, I, that points out to me. Let me say this Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback from Miami, had a Heisman like performance against AM. That man yeah. had, he went 21 for 30, 374 yards, five tutties. But here's the key. Not not that five tutties isn't key enough, but zero interceptions. Yeah. Now, my man Wigman, on the other hand, I think that's how you say it, he had 336 yards. That's great. But, I mean, obviously, if they wouldn't pass in the ball, they wouldn't move in the ball at all. So, I mean, he was kind of forced into those yards. He had two tutties, but he had two interceptions as well. That's that's the big key in the game. Um, anytime you cut yourself short of, of drives, it's obviously 
Um, it's going to show up on the scoreboard more times than not. Yeah, two two interceptions, and also Miami had a kick return for a touchdown too. I mean, you can't let special teams beat you, and that sounds that like was, to me. Sounds like to me they won in all three phases of the game. Yeah, they they did. I mean, my Miami showed up to play, and I'm not hopping on any sort of train here saying Miami's back, Texas A&M was back, nothing like that. I'm not I'm not hopping on any of these teams other than my balls until you know we. We see them get into the season a little bit. I mean, I know these are big non-conference matchups that we're talking about, but yeah, like, really get into conference play. You don't know what a team is made of. Yep. And I, you know, same thing with Texas A&M. Like you said about Alabama, they still control their own destiny. Absolutely. I mean, if they win out, they can still go to the SEC title game. They win that, they can still go to the playoffs. I mean, they they control their own destiny and. I think that if they get some things cleaned up on the defensive end, because Miami did torch them yesterday, I think that Texas A&M is a contender for the West. I don't know, man. They got a lot to clean up in my mind because I was high on them. I had them finishing third in the West, but um, I don't know, man. That left a sour taste in my mouth. I'm not even going to lie because I I particularly don't think Miami is that good, but they made them look good. Let me tell you that. I I agree. Go ahead. I guess I'm – I'm not freaking out about Texas A&M like some people because I I made a prediction they were only going to go six and six this year and I said you got to show me before I before I can you're move. you're right on with that that's where I see them going man um, I mean I had them going eight and four I wasn't so high on them but I just I, you know you know my stance on that everybody knows it if they if they follow me enough um, I said A&M has to bounce back in some way or else Jimbo's probably going to be in some trouble if not gone so but. Let's move on to the team that actually makes the SEC look good this year, and that is Ole Miss, dude. Um, they they beat Tulane 37-20. to 20. They do what you're supposed to do against a ranked opponent that's not in the SEC, and that's blow them out of the water. All right? Um, I missed the game on this one. Don't have a lot of notes. In fact, it was playing while I was tailgating. Um, but one big note I had on Tulane and the reason why I was really doubting Tulane, and, and I guess this is something that could kind of hinder – Old misses win a little bit is I don't think Tulane. I think t- I think Tulane was kind of benefiting from last season. I don't think they're the same team this year at all. Um, I think after losing Tajay Spears, who is now with the Titans, um, I think that's just not the same team at all. But uh, Ole Miss did what they needed to do. I think Jackson Dart looked great. Um, did they? I didn't see it. So can you tell me? And if you can't, that's fine. Are they still trying to run that two quarterback bullcrap, or are they go with Jackson Dart for the whole game? Uh, Spencer Sanders did come in for he he had one pass attempt. Uh, but Jackson Dart played the whole game. Okay, so he came in for cleanup time. Well, I, I think what ended up happening is Jackson Dart had to come out for a play, whether that be an injury or maybe lost his helmet or something like that. I got you. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing that, you know, Ole Miss didn't take care of business because they did, but this game was a whole lot closer than it should have been for the majority of the game. And with you being at the Tennessee game, you didn't get to see it, but um, Tulane had a halftime lead. It was 17 to 10 at halftime. It was 17 all at the end of the third. Yeah. Well, let me say this. That doesn't surprise me because, I mean, the theme of the week seems to be slow starts. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go, but go ahead. Yeah, and if it wasn't for um, – let's see, I think it was an interception that Ole Miss had um, in that fourth quarter after they had scored to go up, then I think Tulane drives down the field and they score again um, – I'll say this. Ole Miss 
without a run game is going to struggle this year because Quinshawn Judkins has not looked good the first couple of games. And he's their only guy. I mean, He had 18 carries yesterday for 48 yards, and Jackson Dart had 14 carries for 41 yards. They only rushed for 89 yards yesterday. And, excuse me, Quinshawn Judkins – was the return was the leading rusher returning from last year? He was first team All SEC, and if they cannot get him going this year, Ole Miss is going to struggle. I agree. And, and Ole Miss had some receivers drop balls yesterday too that should have been caught. They had a lot of mistakes, but at the end, some of the things broke their way, and they ended up taking care of business against Tulane. Now. I think Ole Miss wins the game either way, but Tulane was also playing as a backup quarterback. Their starter was hurt. He didn't get to play yesterday. The backup didn't look terrible for most of the game, but um, the Ole Miss run defense did look really good yesterday, and they had four sacks on the day. They had six tackles for loss. Um, the pass defense, they, they could have been a little bit better on that, but, I mean, all in all, Ole Miss took care of business. That's right. That's what they needed to do, and uh... – SEC has not done that particularly so far this season. Um, so, and, uh, you know, Tennessee won their, uh, you know, out of conference power five opponent, but let's be honest, it was, it was a pretty sad Virginia team. So we don't try to claim that. It's just literally only two SEC teams of one. It seems like um, outside of the, the massive losses that we've had. So um, uh, that was the that was the big games of the week, but um, what ended up being a big game for some reason, um, there was actually two in particular. But Missouri struggling against MTSU, twenty three to nineteen. Tell me, bro, I, you had to seen that. What was going on, dude? I watched some of it, um, and I I'll I'll say this, and, and my dad actually said this this morning. He said. Do you think Missouri ever schedules MTSU again? <laughs> you know, MTSU did beat Miami last year, so why would you schedule? Why would you do that? I mean, that's like Appalachian State, and they almost pulled it off. Like, why would you schedule that team? You know they're, like, upset hungry, dude. Like, Well, this was an ESPN stat yesterday. MTSU and Missouri have played three times. They played in 03, and the game went to overtime where Missouri ended up winning. In 2016, MTSU came in – for Missouri's homecoming game and beat them. 51. Oh, not during homecoming. <laughs> during homecoming. And then yesterday the game came down to the wire. MTSU probably should have won the ball game. Um, the notes that I have on this game, in Missouri's defense is really, really solid on first and second down. But they can't like, close it on third down, huh? The amount of third downs that they that MTSU um, – Converted yesterday. I've got it pulled up right here. Third down efficiency. MTSU was 50% yesterday on third downs, nine of 18, two for three on fourth downs. Yeah. So the third down and fourth down defense for Missouri is not very good. And MTSU took advantage of it. Um the the offense had a lot of mistakes yesterday in, yes. in the I watched. Um Brady Cook was 14-19 yesterday, 205 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't have any interceptions, but um, they, there was a lot of drops. There was a lot of penalties against Missouri, and MTSU just took advantage of it. And, and I'll say this, MTSU's third-down defense 
they are going to bring the house, and it is either feast or famine against the MTSU defense. And MTSU ended up with four four sacks yesterday, and I believe the majority were on a third down. So SEC O line getting whooped, bro. Come on now. Yeah. So it was. MTSU gave them all they wanted, that's for sure. Well, you want to talk about slow starts, because I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> Missouri didn't score a touchdown until 24 seconds left in the half on a 16-play drive, dude. It took them 16 plays to score against MTSU. Now, granted, I credit them for getting that score right before halftime. That's big. But, oh, my goodness, man, that's that's your first tutty of the game against MTSU. They go into the locker room. I think they were winning 10-7. to 7. Yeah, it was 10-7. to 7. But, and I mean, just the slow starts all across the SEC yesterday, um, including our Vols, man, it, that, that was the story of the weekend for me, man. And looking at the stats here, Missouri has got to have another receiver step up because Luther Burden, who is a beast, by the way, he had eight receptions yesterday for 117 yards. Only one other person had multiple receptions. You had Makai Miller with two receptions for 10 yards. Nathaniel Pete had one for 49, and that was a touchdown pass. Jaden Jernigan had one. Brett Norfleet had one. And Theo Wees Jr. had one. So only six people yesterday caught a pass. Luther Burden had eight out of the 14 uh, completions that Brady Cook You've got to have somebody else step up. Otherwise, when you get into SEC play, that passing game is going to be shut down. Absolutely. That's you got any more on that game before we move on? I, I unfortunately didn't re- I didn't get to catch it. I mean, I just was I was out all day, but um no, that's all I got on that one. Um I we'll we will see what Missouri is made of next week and we'll get to our predictions uh later on in the show. Yeah, absolutely. But uh there's there was a couple of close games yesterday. Um, what about Mississippi State over Arizona in overtime? 31-24. That was a thriller. I missed it, and I I don't know if Mississippi State played down or if Arizona's decently competitive. I mean, I really thought Mississippi State would beat Arizona by, a, you know, a couple scores. So, I'm kind of – I was surprised by that one. I'm glad they pulled out the win. But what are your thoughts? So, I didn't watch the second half of the game, and that's whenever it got exciting. But I watched the first half, and Mississippi State was moving the ball at will against Arizona. As um, they should. I mean – this balanced attack that Mississippi State has this year, it's going to give some SEC teams some problems. Um, uh, Jaquavius Marks is showing up in a big way for Mississippi State rushing the ball. He had 24 rushes yesterday for 123 yards, 5.1 yards a carry. Uh, Will Rogers is just efficient. He's not throwing the ball as he as much as he was in the uh, Mike Leach system. But he was 13 of 17, 162 yards and three touchdowns with no picks. So, this Mississippi State offense is going to give people some problems. And, um, like I said, I didn't watch the second half of the game, but Jaden DeLara yesterday, 32 of 46, 342 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Story of the game. So, you're telling me Arizona should have won? Not with four interceptions. But but with the throw, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, no shit. I'm just saying, like, you're telling me Arizona beat themselves. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Arizona, they they didn't seem to have a bad team. In in what I watched, it was just their own mistakes. I mean, defensively, 
they 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 kind of kept Mississippi State at bay in the second half. Yeah, but uh, I mean, overall, Mississippi State got it done whenever it mattered. Absolutely, um, and hats off to them. That was a big win. I'm glad they won because I predicted it. Um, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe Arizona is is pretty competitive. I I don't know why I wrote them off as a basketball school. And and I, like I said, I don't study a lot of teams outside of the SEC. So that could have been just my fault and uh, overlooking Arizona a little bit, but uh, didn't, was it Arizona that started out like five and O last year? Or was that a, that was Kansas. That, that was Kansas. With yeah. Jaden Daniels. Or uh, no, not Jaden Daniels. Uh, Jalen Daniels. Yeah. Or Jalen. Yeah. Just like the same name. It's crazy. Um, But anyways, all right, dude. Well then another one super late at night. I didn't watch it. Kind of mad that I didn't. But I'm kind of okay with it because it wasn't. It doesn't seem like it was exciting, at least. Um, what about Auburn getting the win over Cal? Hugh, Hugh Free said this was a big win. So I did not watch the game last night. I went back and I watched the first half again this morning. Dude, that <laughs> it was hard to watch. Now, oh, I know Auburn squeaked it out, fourteen to ten. But the sloppiness on both sides. I mean, there was fumbles and. Let's see. There was three fumbles that Auburn recovered, and um, Calif- let's see. Cal got – they recovered one. No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Auburn had three fumbles. Yeah. And um, Cal had one. They also recovered uh, one of their fumbles. Yep. Uh, I mean, it was it was sloppy. There was a lot of penalties. Uh, Peyton Thorne, he, he looked okay yesterday. Um I, I'm starting to question the two quarterback systems they run, bringing in Robbie Ash for some. I, I don't know how it's going to work. We bought in too much when they were playing a weaker opponent, didn't we? Yeah, we, we – um, I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to look like once they get into SEC play. But and, and I'm not blaming the weather on this, but I do think there might have been a little bit of rain out there in Cal that, that might have messed with some of the conditions on the field. But, I mean, it – it didn't look good for either team. Um, well, let me say this. Maybe that's why Hugh Freeze kind of went on the record and said this was a big win. I mean, if you can win ugly, I mean, that that is a good sign. Um, but uh, I do remember because I watched, I think, like first, second quarter of the game. I was eating right before I went to bed. I got in, I got in pretty late last night. But, you know, I remember the commentator saying, like, wow, like Auburn's tried every way possible to lose this game, but yet they're still right in it. Like, I remember him saying something like that. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe Cal's defense is really that disrespectful. You know, that's another thing, man. When you get these results and you look at the games and you're, you're kind of questioning, like, how did that happen? Well, we are only in week two, and we have no idea what these teams are going to do for the rest of the season. Maybe Cal is one of those teams, kind of like that Dark Horse team. Are they in the Pac-12 still? I don't know. I think they're – there might be in the pack two. Yeah, um, they're still in the pack two right now. Uh, they <laughs> next year, which is crazy, but we're not going to get on that right now. No, I got you, but no, I'm just I, I'm saying that to say maybe maybe they end up being you know top half of of the pack two. It's not that hard. You just got to be one of the team, but you know, yeah, who knows, dude? But um, uh, once again, you know, slow start, which there wasn't really much of, uh, <laughs> wasn't much scoring anyways. But you know that that was. That was that. Um, so let, let's tell us about the next game, brother. All right, so let's talk about LSU. I'm not looking so much to talk about LSU against Grambling yesterday because I'll be – Yeah, the fake Georgia? 
that was that was the the one game that I did not catch any of yesterday, and I didn't care to because I saw what I needed to see from LSU against Florida State, and they didn't get beat twice. Correct. Um, LSU is not as bad as they seemed against Florida State. They've got all the people that they need on that team. Um, the offensive line is struggling some. But I also attest that to the strong defensive front that Florida State had. The big thing that LSU has to overcome right now is the coaching. It, it, mm-hmm. In my opinion, it was the coaching that got them against Florida State. And I'm, I'm going to go that. I'm going I'm to piggyback that. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to go with the mindset. I agree. Yeah, that that's that's another big thing right there. So Brian Kelly said in the post press, like we thought we were Georgia. Why the hell did you think you were Georgia? Do you not remember the SEC championship game? Do you not remember your bowl game? Do you not remember getting smacked by Tennessee 40 to 13? Like what in the right mind gave you you know what it is? It all boils down to the Alabama game. They got the win against Alabama on a 20 point conversion. And they just thought that that was going to escalate to something. And it still may. Okay, don't get me wrong. They got dudes. But in no way should they have just assumed they were the better team against Florida State. And that's why they lost that game big. And did you see the Brian Kelly story this past week? I don't care, dude. I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you anyway. So, he went on the Brian Kelly show before the Florida State game and – I don't remember the exact quote, but basically he said, we're going to go in there and we're going to look for State. On, oh, I did see that. He, he, there is audio of it. And he came out this past week and said, a lot about it. I would never say such a thing. Hey, there's no way I would ever say Own that. your words, bro. Own your words, man. Hey, you know what? That's why I'm not a fan of him. He's a douchebag. Yeah. Um, so, at, you know, LSU is going to be fine this year. They're going to get it together. Um, I don't think that they'll win the West like I originally predicted. And <laughs> the West is wide open this year. I, I truly think that the West is wide open where the East is going to be a two-team race between Georgia and Tennessee, and I still think Georgia is on top of Tennessee. I'd be happy if I did. I was going to ask you, how are we feeling about the West? Is is the West the, the, is West. the, West the new East? Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah, that, that is it. Right, the West is just absolutely wide open this year, right now. I disagree simply because they've not lost SEC games yet. I'll agree with that. Um, I mean, but I will say this: the most surprising thing ever. There is three West teams with a loss: Alabama, <laughs> Texas A&M, and LSU. Dude, I would have never thought that in two weeks of college football that those three teams have already taken an L. Um, so you, you do have a point there. I do think the SEC West is wide open, but There's at a- the same time, they all three still control their own destiny. Absolutely. But, it, you know, to, to kind of further my point there, uh, there's a lot of questions coming out of the West. That's why I say that it's wide open right now. There's a lot of questions. I agree with that. Uh, ne- next game, let, let's go with a, a little smaller game, but it's one that you actually didn't get correct, but you were just following your uh, – your uh, schedule prediction of Wake Forest and Vanderbilt. So talk about this this game had like a two hour delay on it because of rain and lightning and all that. I'm not the type to make excuses, but that is exactly why Vanderbilt lost. 
I, I'll, I'll, I'm joking. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll agree with that to a to an extent because so Vanderbilt probably should have won this game. Yep. Let, let me read you the stats here. So AJ, AJ Swan went 26 of 39 yesterday for 314 yards and three touchdowns. And I'm going to stop right there for a minute. They also run 24 times for 109 yards. They had two interceptions, and they also lost a fumble. Mm-hmm. And they had multiple penalties. I mean, I, I tuned in for a little bit, and the amount of times that they would have – Vanderbilt shot themselves in the foot over and yeah, over. Absolutely. The amount of times that they would have third down and getting a pass interference penalty on them. It was terrible, yep. Yeah, so they, they beat themselves yesterday because Wake Forest, they, had seven, they were 17 of 26 – for 196 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, the rush, the rushing game for Wake Forest was on point yesterday. They had 48 rushes for 288 yards yesterday and a touchdown. One guy, uh, Demon Claiborne, 26 carries, 165 yards. Tate Carney, 13 carries, 117 yards. So, the rush game was on point yesterday for Wake Forest, but they just didn't make mistakes. They Let me say, let me say this. Vanderbilt, I believe, was what a twelve and a half point dog. Uh, by the time it closed yesterday, they were a ten point dog, but still double digits. Okay, so they were okay, but the game overall at the end, I mean, it, it was sixteen points. But to be fair, it, it opened up at twelve and a half. It, it ended at sixteen. It, it, the game happened, I think, the way that they assumed it would, which pisses me off because. I was actually right about Wake Forest. That's why I chose Vanderbilt. But then Vanderbilt does what they do. They shot themselves in the foot. But Wake Forest is not the same team they were last year. They have their own issues that they need to address. Now, they can beat a team like Vanderbilt and still be down. But if Vanderbilt cleans it up, and I, I know it's week two, but guys, this is something you got to clean up in, in camp. Like, you got to be ready. You only get 12 games, 12 regular games, you know, in a season. And um, you know, there ain't no excuses of, well, it's early in the season. I don't care, man. You know, I, I, last time I checked, week one game counts just as much as a week 12 game. So why are we not just as prepared? Like, I'm mad. I know I shouldn't be mad, but Vanderbilt not winning this game uh, kind of scares me about where they are as a program because I really thought that they were kind of building up on something. But their road to winning four games this year just got a lot harder. I agree with that, uh, but I I do think that Vanderbilt they are there as a program. I think they've got all the pieces and the they do have a solid quarterback. They they do, um, and the offensive line didn't look bad yesterday for Vanderbilt. They just have to clean up their their own mistakes. That's where they won and lost. Or that's the, where the ball game was lost yesterday for Vanderbilt was the penalties, the turnovers, all that right there. As far as everything else, Vanderbilt looked fine. Yep, I agree, man. But I want to talk about a game that's a little bit more exciting than that one. Even though it shouldn't have been, but it's Kentucky, so let's do it. <laughs> Look, dude, they freaking beat Eastern Kentucky 28-17. to 17. 17, dude. They were down 10-7 middle of the third quarter. What is going on with the SEC right now? All right, and I, you know, I'm glad I slip on this game, too. Because- <laughs> yeah. I was ready to come in here and talk down on Kentucky today. Oh, I will, and I do not. I, I'm a Tennessee fan. Everybody will understand, okay? 
Yeah, after that performance yesterday, I was ready to just talk down on Kentucky the entire show today. But, you know, Kentucky, they, they've still got some things to work out too. And I get – you just made the point. You know, each game counts. Every every game right now counts just as much as, you know, once you get to the end of the season. But Kentucky is still trying to feel their way through through some things. I mean, you got a new quarterback, a new OC. You've got some things that need to be fixed, and I think that Kentucky will fix them. But, man, it's – They're running out of time. Yeah, it doesn't look good going into SEC play. But they have – not the easiest beginning of the schedule for any team. Absolutely, brother. If they don't start out 5-0, then they're, they are they got another thing coming. Because you've got – so we'll get into who they play um, later when we make our predictions. But after this week, you've got Vanderbilt. And then you've got Florida. Like you said, if you don't start off 5-0 and going into the Georgia game, man, something is something's going wrong in Lexington. Yeah, unless Florida makes some massive adjustments. But I don't think – I mean, we couldn't really – tell by last week but um no i i agree with you um i think the biggest thing that i take away from this game their wide receiver barry and brown the true sophomore and this is going to blow my mind because if you know kentucky you know they run the ball and they run the ball well their wide receiver that had two attempts on rushing the ball was basically their leading rusher that's not acceptable now he had two big long runs i get that but um, I, they didn't have a single running back even close to 100 yards rushing. Yeah, Ray Davis had 12 carries for 52 yards. And, I mean, we, we were talking good about Ray Davis last he week. He looked to be that dude, man. But I, you can't run the ball against Eastern Kentucky? Come on, dude. I don't care how good Devin Leary is. If you, if you become one-dimensional, you're not going to win football games. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why – Unless you're Bryce Young. True. Uh, You know, that's why Mike Leach and Mississippi State didn't have a ton of success because they were so one-dimensional with the passing game. But now that they are more balanced this year, that's why I think Mississippi State's going to have some success. Yep. That's why I love people that are like, man, I'm so surprised Tennessee can run the ball so well this season. You do realize we were more of a rushing team last year too, right? Like, you know, it's what leads to it. Like, you got to run the ball to pass the ball. That's exactly how our offense works. It's exactly how most offenses work, to be honest with you. And if you can't run the ball effectively and and force them to kind of commit to stopping it, you're never going to open up your passing lanes. That's exactly right. Uh, That's all I got on that game. I just thought it was crazy they couldn't run the ball against Eastern Kentucky, and it was literally an 11-point ball game. I'll be honest, the last few games that we have here, I didn't just do a ton of – Homework on. No, I agree. Uh, They're not really big games either. Um, you know, you got you got Georgia beating the crap out of Ball State, even though, again, slow start. They did not score a first quarter touchdown. In fact, their first touchdown of the game was a defensive one in the second yeah. quarter. So, um, I'll say this about the Georgia game: it's the only, I guess, concern that I have for Georgia because their secondary is just elite. I mean, they are absolutely elite. But they got that dog in them. They do. Uh, I do have a slight concern with their front seven, especially the D line, because Ball State had a lot of broken tackles yesterday. I mean, they were. It, it was just. It was almost like they were trying to arm tackle. They weren't trying to form tackle or anything. Yeah. yeah. It, we see that out of Tennessee quite a bit. But 
to see it out of Georgia, I, I'm slightly concerned for that front seven going into SEC play. Uh, I mean, they play South Carolina this week. We'll see what happens. But that's, uh, CBS. Yeah, so that's the one concern that I have with Georgia. Other than that, I mean, I have really no concerns. Georgia is still Georgia until they don't Georgia anymore. Hey, that's fair. I'm, I'm you know, kind of like Bama. I'm not going to – I'm not ever going to bet against them until it happens, you know. But let me say this. Georgia, they needed another guy other than Brock Bowers, and I think they found that in that Muse kid. I mean, he is the real deal. But – um. You know, what's crazy is how close this game was in the first half until Ball State just imploded. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. All right, I'm going to give Georgia the credit for just being a, a crazy good defense. But, like, I think – I don't know how it happened because I didn't watch the game, but I know it was like a, a fumble or an interception pick six or a scoop and score. It was one of those to get the – to kind of start the implosion. But then they got that interception that went off the kid's ankle, and then it just – just fell apart. I mean, you talk about Humpty Dumpty, like fell off a wall, dude. I mean, it was, it was insane how Ball State just, just kind of fell off. But I am going to give that credit to Georgia because how good they are in the moment they kind of gain some momentum. It's hard to stop, and that's exactly what them dogs did. And uh, but no, that they needed a second dude on offense because I, I wasn't seeing it. But I think Muse even had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, that kid's going to be, he's going to be stopped. He's going to be hard to stop now. As if it was hard enough to stop Brock Bowers. Now you got another one. <laughs> so. Yeah, it the punt return that Makai Muse had, but I mean, yeah. still, still, I mean, which he did have a kick return that went 47 yards, but no, I was talking about the punt return. I'm sorry, but yeah, the Georgia is going to be just fine this year. Um, moving on to a game that I, I'm not jumping off any cliffs for this one either. Um, Arkansas and Kent State. Arkansas did not look very good yesterday on offense, although they they did not have Rocket Sanders yesterday. He was out with a knee injury, and I don't know uh, if he's going to be available for BYU this this week. I'm not sure how serious that injury is, but K.J. Jefferson yesterday was 13-19 for 136 yards, but I do think this game was kind of similar to Tennessee where – they kind of just ran the same few plays over and over again. They didn't really dig into the playbook very much, but uh, the Arkansas defense took care of business the way that they should have against Kent State. But uh, I, I'll bring up a stat that you know you brought up last with Western Carolina. I mean, Kent State they threw for 174 yards yesterday. So is is the Arkansas pass defense? gonna struggle a little bit this year in sec play i mean not at all no you you nailed it on the head arkansas beat kent state 28 to 6 um very much like tennessee's game so vanilla you said it in the stats kj jefferson went 13 of 18 or 19 for 100 and something yards they only threw the ball when they needed to i mean look at how many times they ran the ball count up their attempts man i mean they they tried to just big boy kent state and they did that for the most part i don't have any concerns with their pass defense I just simply think Kent State was in passing was was kind of like forced to pass the ball. They, I mean, they couldn't beat Arkansas up front, so they tried to get the ball out of their hands quick. I didn't catch the whole game on this one. I didn't catch much of any of it. But when I looked at the when I looked at the score, Arkansas Kent State, I was like, okay, they won handily. Like, why why didn't Arkansas score more? I mean, maybe you could ask that. But I think similar to Tennessee, they probably ran the same ten plays, dude. Now again, that makes me ask. Is it worth sacrificing your playbook 
to really fail in the eye test because that looks ugly as crap. Tennessee looked ugly, dude. It was like it hurt to watch the game. I just hope it's worth it keeping those plays in the in the pocket because I mean honestly, if it's not, then you you lose both and it's it's not it's not such a a good season. But no, I I think Arkansas is going to be just fine. They did what they needed to do, and uh, KJ didn't have to work too hard for it. Yeah, and I think we've only got two more games. I don't want to spend a lot of time because we really didn't learn much from it other than uh, we'll start with South Carolina against Herman. Um, South Carolina's line still does not look great and kind of the same deal as, you know, Kentucky. If South Carolina does not get a rushing attack going, then they're going to struggle this year. Now, they did rush for 108 yards, but you also look – South Carolina threw for 463 yards yesterday because they are relying on their passing game. And one-dimensional. Yeah, so I, I I really just feel like South Carolina is going to struggle some this year. Um, but we'll we'll see. They're going to get a real test this weekend. And I, I actually want to – who do they – oh, yeah, they play Georgia. Yeah, you're right. They are going to get spanked. But I'm not doing the prediction yet. Um, I want to give South Carolina a massive shout out. Not necessarily South Carolina, but Spencer Rattler. Um, Man, Spencer Rattler is showing out this year. Spencer I mean, I- Rattler, you're absolutely right. I think he's doing kind of like what Josh Jobs and Bryce Young did for their head coaches, and that's hiding just how bad it, it really could be or really is. Um, I'm looking up his stat real quick. I know he only had two incompletions, but I don't know what the exact line was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 for 27 for 345 and three tutties. And he didn't throw a pick, did he? No. I mean, he he is taking care of the ball this year. I got to give him credit on that. He is taking care of the ball. Dude, his his completion rate, even against North Carolina, it's insane. He's putting the offense on his back this year. Absolutely. I, I agree 110% with you. I really think he is hiding just how bad South Carolina is. I mean, he's – if it wasn't for him, if they were starting Luke Doty at quarterback, which he played some yesterday at quarterback, yeah. this team would not be near as good. No. As Between Rattler and Sellers, actually, I don't know if he's a third string because I thought Luke Doty was a second string. I could be completely wrong on that. They both attempted four passes, but between those two guys, between Rattler and Sellers, they had five total touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, the quarterbacks are doing their job, man, but but South Carolina's front on, uh, on both sides of the ball, really. They, they're struggling. Um, you know, and their pass defense is really bad. So hopefully they can figure it out. As a Vol fan, we all know what that feels like. So, um, you know, Spencer Rattler, I, and I've I throw shade at him any chance I get, just because I, I don't know. I just felt like he lost a starting job, so he went somewhere where he knew he could start. I, I don't know. I guess everybody does that, but um, you know, he he has done about all he can do for South Carolina in these first two games, and uh, you know. Whatever's coming to him, as long as he's playing good, I hope he, you know, I hope he gets what he, you know, is working hard for and deserves. But against Georgia, he ain't going to be able to do it all on him. He's going to have to have some help. And even then, I, I don't know, man. I think Georgia's beatable this year. And I hate to like kind of go into this next game, so I'm not going to do it. But we'll talk about, um, I guess was uh, what's the other game? South Carolina? No, 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 no. Uh, Florida, Florida handling McNeese State, forty-nine to seven. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this game. I'm just this There's is the, nothing to learn from it. This is the only note that I have for Florida to be successful. The run game has to be there, and yesterday it was. 
They had 15 carries – sorry, 15, 51 carries for 307 yards and six <laughs> touchdowns on the ground yesterday. Yeah. So, if the run defense – I mean, if the run game is there, Florida is going to be okay this year. But we're, we'll, we will see just how successful that they're going to be whenever they play Tennessee this week. And, you know, I'm not going to get fully into that either because we're just yep. about to start with our predictions. But um, Florida – there's still a lot of questions that I just don't know uh, how they're going to do this year. That's right. Well, that uh, officially wraps up our week one – or week two, I'm sorry, recap. And uh, let's get into these week three games. And finally, we got some SEC games to talk about. This is what I'm excited about is the fact that we have a couple of SEC games that we can actually sit here and talk about, the SEC matchups. And, you know, I know we kind of went around the board on our recaps, but, you know, we did have some feedback uh, on our podcast, and we're trying to make it a little bit more efficient. So we decided to do our week two recap first before we get into predicting our week three games. So um, I, I still think that we kind of go in order. Or as time. Well, let's go in order. Yeah, let's go in order. I don't. I, as a Tennessee fan, I love to just jump straight to Gator Hater Week. But let's let's start with LSU versus Mississippi State at noon on ESPN. This game is could be sneaky good, especially with the uh, the balance of Mississippi State this year. But I do still think LSU is has got a little bit too much talent over Mississippi State. So give me the Tigers over Mississippi State. All right, I got you. I, I agree. Um, I hate to agree with you. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Mississippi State wins this game, but I still think with the year one head coach, and it seems like every interview he does, he's he's extremely not happy. So he's not really I don't know. I just think LSU's got I think they're the better team. They got the better players. Mississippi State, um, I like Will Rogers a lot. I really do. But um, and I do think, like you mentioned, they're a lot more balanced this year. I just think at the end of the day, you got to have the Jimmys and Joes. And right now, Mississippi State doesn't, unfortunately. Um, I trust in whoever Mississippi State's head coach is. I apologize for not knowing his name. I trust him over Brian Kelly. I trust more, more than anybody <laughs> over Brian Kelly. But, uh, yeah, give me the Tigers in this one. Yep. So, uh, second game, it is also at 12 Eastern. This was on the SEC Network. We have Kansas State at Missouri. Kansas State at Missouri. Um, this one, unfortunately, Missouri is going to be dropping. Kansas State's one of the big dogs in the uh, Big 12. Um, I expect them to play as such. Missouri is very much a mid to low team in the East. Um, I think they're mid more than low, okay? But uh, Missouri struggled last week against NTSU, scared the crap out of me so much that I think Kansas State wins pretty easily. I'll just leave it at that. And let, let me give you something that'll like shock you. You know what the line is in this game? Probably eight. Three and a half. Three and a half. Kansas State is, is a, it at Missouri. Is at Missouri. That's why. Okay. So yeah. really they think that Kansas State's probably a, a, a touchdown favorite, but they give three or three and a half points to the home team. So that, that's why. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So, so Kansas State, three and a half point favorite over Missouri. I, I just don't think it's going to be close. It, you, you know, you talked about the Jimmys and Joes in the LSU-Mississippi State game, and I think the same thing applies here. I think Kansas State just has the Jimmys and Joes that Missouri doesn't quite have right now. So, uh, yep. give me the cats going into Como and getting a win here. 
All right, so we are uh, definitely sticking on the same page. Stop stealing my notes. So we're going to move on to another probably easy pick, unfortunately, and that is South Carolina going into Sanford Stadium, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Give me the dogs. Yep, Georgia is too much for South Carolina, and, you know, we saw North Carolina get nine sacks against South Carolina. Yep. I think the front is going to be atrocious. I I I want to see, and I think it's going to happen. I want to see a quick start from Georgia. All right, I'm tired of this piddling around in the first quarter because they've done it. Tennessee's done it. I'm tired of it. I want to see them get over South Carolina and get it get it quick. Uh, you know, because if they don't, South Carolina's got the team to that can upset somebody. All right, and South Carolina's kind of been that team for Georgia. They've been that thorn in the heel or whatever. So. Um, I want to see Georgia get up, get up, get up quick. Yep. So our next game is also at three thirty Eastern on ABC. It is Alabama and Alex Golish and USF. Um, yes, sir. Does he go for two in a row? No, not he, a damn chance. <laughs> it, right, USF, I think, is going to be good with Alex Golish leading the way. But this once again comes down to Alabama has the Jimmys and Joes. USF <laughs> does not. You ain't beating Bama after the ass when they just took to the Longhorns last week. No, sir. It's going to be um, – you know, I just hope Alex Golish has a bus ride back after that game. It's it's going to be ugly. Actually, USF is hosting this game. Oh, are they – why is Bama going to USF? Uh, that's a very good question. Did they have to cancel a game like, uh, like Georgia did? No, this one was scheduled. Uh, I'm not sure why exactly they did it this way, but, but okay. Yeah. Well, hey, never mind. My bad. I'm sorry for not doing my homework. It does say Tampa, Florida, right there. I'm an idiot. Okay. Um. Yeah. Give Give me the tide in this. I mean, it's not going to be. I was going to say it's not even going to be a thing. But yeah, they're going to win easily. Um, Texas A&M gets a get right game with UL Monroe, four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. Easy dough for A&M. They better get right. Let me say it that way. I will say, I don't know who they played, but UL Monroe is undefeated. Uh, they they really hadn't played much of anybody. I'd have to look up their schedule, but um, it, Texas A&M gets an easy win in this one. I just I want to see some improvement on the defensive side of the ball for Texas A&M, and uh, I want to see the offense get just a little bit better. I mean, they've looked decent this year, but I want to see consistency from the offensive side of the ball. I got you. So now here's the one that we're excited about. Tennessee goes into the swamp at 7 Eastern on ESPN. And there's a little side note here. This is the first Tennessee-Florida game that I can remember that has not been the CBS 330 game. That's a fair assessment. I think it's I think it's one of the few that I remember that Florida isn't ranked for this one. It's usually Tennessee that's not ranked. Yeah, you're you're right. Um so th- this game could – it could be closer than us Tennessee fans would like, but this is – Florida right now is going through what Tennessee went through in the whole mid-2010s. mid So give me the Vols. The spread is at 7.5, I think, last I looked. It has been as high as 10.5. Um, give me the Vols if it's at 7.5 to cover, I think. It is somewhere around 10 points. I truly hope Tennessee does not do what they did last year and try to give it away at the very end because I nearly had a heart attack. That, <laughs> that onside the- kick, huh? That got you, didn't it? Dude, I, I was 
flashbacks. I'll tell you what. Let, I do want to say this. I'm excited for this game. I'm super excited for this game. Me and my family, we're actually going to go to the ball club is actually hosting a watch party inside Neyland. So we're going to be able to watch this game on the Jumbotrons of Neyland. I think it's going to be so fun. But um, you're you're going to see – it's not going to be a different Tennessee team. It's going to be the exact same team. But you're going to see a different offense. I, I truly believe that. Joe Milton's going to miss some throws, guys. Hooker overthrew several people, even on the quick screens. And you're like, how did he throw that into the second row of the stands when he threw it one yard down the field? Unfortunately, this offense is so fast, so quick. Sometimes it just happens, guys. I think Joe Milton is going to be able to get into a rhythm in this game. Um, despite the crowd noise, I think it's going to be good for Tennessee to actually be in a hostile environment early in this season. Um, get, get, let's, I know I've been seeing a lot of people saying, let's drain the swamp. All right. Let's, I want to see us take over the swamp kind of like we did LSU. All right. I, I think it's possible. It's not possible the way we played last week, but let, let me tell you something. I'd much rather have a good defense and we need to make improvements on offense than the latter. All right. And our defense has shown me that they are just fine. So I'm perfectly okay with Graham Mertz eating it because I don't think he can scramble as good as Anthony Richardson could. All right. I don't think he's going to be able to carry that team the way Anthony Richardson did. And I think our offense is going to improve. I think we're going to open up the playbook a little bit. And I think we do. I think you're right. I think we beat Florida by two scores, but I could easily see that being kind of like a garbage time fourth quarter, you know, score to, to put it, you know, away, put the icing on the cake. But, uh, I hope it's more than that. I don't want to stress out next week, okay? But um, regardless, beating Florida in the swamp is something to be proud of. I think we've only done it twice since like the 70s. Let's make it a third time. I, I'm right there with you. Yes, uh, sir. Sorry, next, I got a little excited about that. I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next game, we have Samford at Auburn, 7 p.m. Eastern, SEC Network Plus. And I did not realize this, so – each SEC team has to have at least one game on the SEC uh, or on the plus networks to try to uh, enhance the people getting the the streaming and all that, try to get more people into that. So uh, you didn't that was, know that. I, I did not know that. Until yeah. The, the problem is, is there's so many games when there's no bye weeks. Right. And so there's not enough, there's not enough openings for national television or whatever. So it's not like the NFL where it can be regionalized. So yeah, every SEC team has to have at least one, um, SEC Network ESPN Plus game. I will say this. If it's on ESPN uh, – I'm sorry. If it's on SEC Network Plus, I think you can log on to ESPN through your uh, through your coverage provider and still be able to watch the game. Now, if it's just on ESPN Plus, you will have to buy the subscription to watch it. Um, but, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, give, give me the Tigers in this one. They go 3-0 and to start the season. Easy. Before- SEC play, so uh, they, maybe they can clean up some of the some of the stuff that they struggled with against Cal. Auburn begins the Hugh Freeze warning era. Three and O, dude. Three and O. All right, let's move along. We got Vanderbilt versus UNLV in a get right game. Hopefully, now something about UNLV uh, from Tennessee fans' perspective, and I would love to know: Is Harrison Bailey still there? That is a very good question. I don't know. If you want to, if you want to talk about um, game for just a minute, I will get this pulled up. There ain't nothing to talk about. Vanderbilt's going to win, but you know, I just wanted to know if Harrison Bailey was still there. I think it's comical that a guy like Harrison Bailey, 
or JT Daniels can transfer five times and still start for their team, and yet that wide receiver for North Carolina who's transferred twice is ruled ineligible for the season. That's garbage. Good job, yeah. NCAA. You're doing a great job. Actually, without pulling this up, I think Harrison Bailey is actually one of the backups for Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish the best for every kid out there, but, you know. Yeah, but uh, believe it or not, the spread in this game is only at um, it is only at five. Uh, Vanderbilt is a five-point favorite, but you're, you're right. I think Vanderbilt gets the win in this one, and, yes, Harrison Bailey is playing for Louisville. Nice. Well, not- hats off to him. So, now uh, – now we can beat UNLV and, and not even feel a little bit bad about it. So. But, uh, but, yeah, Vanderbilt gets the win in this one. And um, now we move on to the, the Georgia JV team at Ole Miss, um, 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. And, you know, I, that means that's the Georgia JV team. Uh, Ole Miss, no problems at all against the Yellow Jackets. Uh, they, they get the win in this one, move to 3-0. and I think the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets have kind of gone away from that triple option, something they were very much known for. I don't know if they had a coaching change or what, but I think they've kind of gone away from that. Um, but, yeah, I see Jackson Dart. I think uh, Ole Miss. I'd, I'd like to see Quinshawn Judkins kind of get back on that little train that he had going because, um, I mean, I mean, he was getting Heisman hype for this season, and he's just not had that performance yet. So uh do see Ole Miss winning this game pretty easily, and we're going to move right on along. BYU, Arkansas for 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. This is actually a sneaky, freaking, intriguing game, okay? I don't know much about BYU other than it seems like we copped their whole defense this last offseason. But they're both undefeated going into this game, and I don't know who they played. But Brigham Young seems to, for some reason, they seem to pull that upset when you least expect it. And I don't want to bring it up, but I'm going to. They beat Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Granted, that was the Jeremy Pruitt era. We don't count that, so uh, let, let's move on from that. Yes, but uh, what do you, what is what is your picks for this one, man? I, I'm I'm going to go with Arkansas because I truly feel like their performance this last week was very vanilla, uh, and I expect a lot better from their offense. And I think their defense played really well. So give me Arkansas. I am going to take Arkansas, but I'm going to take BYU to cover. If Rocket Sanders does not play, because I don't know how serious that is. He didn't play last uh, yesterday, did he? Yeah, he did not play against Kent State. Uh, yep. so I, like I said, I'm not sure how serious that knee is, has, but um, I, I don't see Arkansas covering if he doesn't play. I do think Arkansas wins. They I have enough talent that they can win this ball game, but if Rocket Sanders doesn't play, uh, I, I think that BYU covered. I got you. Well, then the next one then is Akron uh, at Kentucky and Lexington, 730 Eastern on ESPNU. Easy day for Kentucky. Yeah, no no question in this one. Kentucky wins again. Uh, probably another close game again. We'll, we'll see if Kentucky can get things going, but we're really not going to be able to find out until probably October when they play Georgia. I mean, we'll, we'll see how they do against Vandy and against Florida, but I think we don't see the true Kentucky until they play against Georgia. I agree. Now, dude, I'm super excited because this is kind of my favorite part of the show where we try to pick the upset of the week. And for you guys that don't know, if you pick a guy to upset a team that is 10 points or over on the on the below uh, as a dog, you get five bonus points accumulated to your record. It does not go against you if you don't get it. 
If it's anything below a 10, so if it's 9.5 and below, it's a uh, three-point bonus. So I'm going to turn it over to you because you did your homework first. Who do you have as an underdog this week in week three? So when I first read this game out, you were like, ooh. I like it. I like it. And I I said, that's why I picked it. And you you said, oh, okay. Well, well, you can have that one because – I." Not throwing you under the bus or anything because you you did have a lot going on yesterday. You were at the Tennessee game, but you did forget to do your homework. Oh, I dropped the ball, dude. I did. Underdog picks. Luckily, I have four of them picked out, and I totally caught one of them. But you didn't choose it, so don't act like don't act like I stole it. You were going with that other game first, so no. Because I I love this pick right here. This started off at a seven and a half point spread. It is down to five now, so it will be a three-point uh, advantage if I do get this. But TCU travels to Houston. Houston is a five-point dog at home, and I think the Cougars get the win over TCU here. It is not the same TCU team from last year. It is a Houston team that is sneaky good this year. They, they played a close game against UTSA in the first week. Um, yep. Didn't get their their game from yesterday to see how they did. I was going to say it's intriguing because Houston just came off a loss. Oh, did they? Okay. I, I, right? didn't, I didn't check to see. Unless they came back and won, but I thought Houston won okay. their opener. It was a very, very close game against Rice. It was 43-41, the final in overtime. Rice did win. Exactly. That That's a crazy game, dude. How do you lose to food? You know what? Never mind. But, yeah, Houston coming off a, a – Terrible, not terrible loss, but more like a heartbreaking loss, being double overtime. But, no, I, I like that pick a lot. TCU, I think, is very, very underwhelming this year. Um, But it's expected. I, I mean, the people that are like, man, that's a team that went to the championship last year. No, it's not. It's not the same team. No, it's not. So um, I do like that pick a lot. So I'm going to mark it down. I'm writing it down. That's for three bonus points. You've got Houston upsetting TCU. That is a home game. By the way, Houston's week one, you need fire i don't know if you've seen them but they were the 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 houston oilers throwbacks that they kind of they wore they looked really good that was pretty clean man i liked them so i, I like your pick here too for the for the yeah, i did let me talk about it don't don't steal my thunder all right come on now no, i'm joking I, i'm just trying to hype you up a little bit man no i appreciate it i appreciate it. i want to remind people just how great of a quarterback room we have and had we had a transfer this last offseason that kind of hurt me a little bit because i really like this kid his name was uh Taven Jackson. He's done nothing but transfer to Indiana and immediately take the starting job. And they are playing Louisville this week. And surprisingly so, after giving Ohio State everything they really wanted, they are 10-point dogs to Louisville. Give me Indiana by a million. All right, Taven Jackson's going to unleash. He's had two weeks now to prepare as the starter. Um, I like Indiana. Their defense is solid, man. They really are. And – not sure who they played this last weekend, but I know Taven Jackson got a lot of playing time. He got a lot of confidence built up. And I do expect Indiana to pull this upset. And I'm cheering for him, man. People are like, why would you cheer for, for a guy that, that transferred out? Well, he didn't transfer out because he didn't believe in Tennessee. In fact, he said in the offseason that he really loved the quarterback room at Tennessee. Unfortunately, he just read between the lines. You had Nico coming in, and he practiced with Nico during the bowl practices, if y'all remember that. And the guy just knew he was going to be the number three quarterback this season. And that's not what he wanted. He transferred out. He became the starter. And what kind of, what does that say about your quarterback room this year when you have a third string that transfers out and becomes the, the first string? I mean, that's, 
that's something that warms my heart. I wish nothing but the best for him. He's making the most out of his opportunity and his four years of eligibility. Students now don't get that COVID year. So um, really, really intrigued by that game. I think Indiana absolutely can pull the upset at Louisville. Funny enough, you mentioned um, our other transfer quarterback is at Louisville, the second string. Yeah, he's the second string. That's wild, man. That's wild. Talking about Taven Jackson, I have no ill thoughts about Taven at all. I wish him nothing but the best, just like you said. And and like you said, it literally came down to he knew that he wasn't going to be the second string guy. Nico won that spot, and he went somewhere that he knew that he would – he was old, man. He was from Indiana. I mean, you knew it was going to happen. And didn't it come down to Tennessee and Indiana to start with? It did, but he wanted to go to a place where he knew he could learn a lot, and that's what he did. He took everything he learned from Tennessee and went to an Indiana, which you got to think for him, he's probably loving life because everything slowed down for him. Everything. You went from an offense that was snapping the ball every 15 seconds to an offense that you actually get to catch your breath in between plays. So, like, the game in totality has slowed down for him, and – uh yeah, he's he's doing big things. Yeah, his opening press conference with Indiana, he he had nothing but good things to say about Tennessee, the Tennessee coaches, Tennessee in general, all the the people that he learned from. It was nothing but good things. I I hope that he does well at Indiana, and so far he has. And I really, give me my five bonus points, son. <laughs> Come yeah, on. Man. All right, so that, that's the thing there is, you know, with Indiana being a ten point dog, you have a chance to get five points. I went with a little bit safer one, trying to get three points, but I I just really like that TCU-Houston game right there. Seeing Houston a home dog, I I really like that pick. I got you, man. Well, look, the race is tight. You're 26-2. and I'm 29-5. and Obviously, the losses don't really account for anything. We're we're just taking the overall wins. Um, This this has been fun through two weeks. Let's let's keep it rolling in week three, and uh, I'm excited about it. Gator hater week, baby. That's right. And, guys, uh, those of you that have not seen some of our posts, we do have a link tree now. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, that is in the link tree there. It'll be under podcast. But uh, when, once you click on it, it gives you the option of listening in Spotify or on Apple Podcast. We have a link to my TikTok as well as Skylar's TikTok. We have a Twitter now that we're trying to get up and going. X, but whatever. I, I, I care less about being called X. It's X. It, it is Twitter as long as, I, as I'm as i on there. Uh, anyway, we're getting that started on, on Twitter, uh, trying to post some. We'll probably post some clips from this, uh, try posting uh, some of our, our picks on there. And we're getting the YouTube up and going as well now. We cannot go live like we want to on YouTube until we have 50 subscribers. But So go on the link tree, click the YouTube link on there, give us a, um, a follow, subscribe, whatever it is on YouTube. That way we can start going live on there. We Both of us are videoing ourselves. Uh, so we will post like some of our clips that we do on YouTube just so we can build up that subscriber base before we go live. Uh, we're looking into maybe doing like a, a Zoom type feature on there where we can both be on there together and you can listen to us yeah. until we're able to go live. But you know, this, this is just a slow process, guys. Well, the the we, point behind it is we both have full-time jobs. We're trying to do this for fun, but also give the audience something to listen to to hopefully enjoy it as much as we do. 
And unfortunately, we are doing a lot behind the scenes, but there's only 24 hours in a day and we still got to take care of our family at the same time. So um, just stick with us. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the podcast for now, but we are trying to grow this thing into something bigger and uh, we look forward to it. Yep. it you said it all right there. So uh, we're we're just trying to slowly do this and this is something that we love. It, it's not something that we're looking to to get real big and try to make money off of. We, we're we never going to ask for y'all to subscribe to anything that's going to cost money. We do this because we want to do it. We love talking ball. I mean, it, this is just something that we want to do. Not, not that I'm saying we'll ever get that big. I mean, that, that's always the hope. But No, nah, media hates us for ball fans. That's all good, though. <laughs> that's really true right there. But you, know, <laughs> you see some of, these, some of these people, you know, they get big enough and they start asking for money and all that. We're not looking for that. We're, we just we're, want to talk ball, and hopefully if you're mowing the grass or you're working or you're commuting to work, you're at the gym, whatever, man, I just hope you're enjoying the show. But that's 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 the point of it. We're also having a great time doing it. Yeah, and, you know, Skylar got some feedback this week, some things that maybe we can improve on. Uh, we want all the feedback that, that you can give us. Give, give us some tips. Give us some things that maybe we can work on. You know, we, we want to hear from you guys. So comment on our TikTok, shoot us a text, you know, comment on on some of our videos that we post on YouTube coming up. Give us all the feedback that you that you can just so we can improve and make this a better experience for you guys. That's right. And the uh, the quest to 50 followers on Spotify is, is is on a roll, dude. Yeah, we're at 19 right now, I think. I believe so. And that's pretty that's pretty crazy only been in our second week. So, but Let's wrap this thing up, man. Any last thoughts on uh, the Vols versus Florida game? Go Big Orange. Love to hear it, my brother. Have a good one, Bubba. All right, you too, man.